to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. What is up, High Praises? We thank God for this time that we have together and we acknowledge him as Lord, as Savior. And I believe you feel this day, today, this, this, this anointing that's in this room, that's been erupting in this room. Hallelujah. I feel his presence right now and I am excited to be with you all today. Uh, we honor God in his presence, and we honor our lead pastor in his absence. And I thank you, Pastor Chris, for this opportunity to stand before our church family and bring the word of God today. If you don't know me, my name is Terrence Ford. I am the Body Life Pastor here at High Praises Church. And um, I got a word from the Lord today, and I want you to listen what God has to say, and pray that he opens your heart and your mind, your ears to hear what he has to say in this time that we're living in. Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, it's not an unfamiliar passage of scripture, it's a familiar text of scripture to us all. It's been preached many times throughout the years, and I'm going to preach it again today. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41, it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and see, obey him. I want to talk today from the subject, the eye of the storm, the eye of the storm. By the way, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. I thank God for my mother, and I thank God for my wife. Amen. The eye of the storm. I want to talk about this briefly today. The eye of the storm is, has somewhat a twofold definition. One being where you, the individual, is at the center of a tumultuous situation or conflict. You're at the center of it. The other definition is referring to Storms like hurricanes, tornadoes, 
And inside of those tornadoes and hurricanes, there is what they call the eye of the storm. And it is defined as the calm region at the center of the storm. Somewhat reminds me, if I can pull from and extrapolate from Isaiah 54 and 17 when he says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn. Notice in the text, it did not say a weapon would not form. But what it did say is the weapon that forms won't prosper. So in the eye of the storm, there is a calm right there in the eye of that storm. The commonality between either storm, whether it's you being the center of attention in a tumultuous conflict or a tornado or hurricane is, you're at the center. And friends, today the scriptures let us know a couple of things about the times that we're living in. Many things the Bible says to us about the times we're living in, but I'll just mention two in particular. Number one, it says that there is going to be an outpouring of God's spirit. Joel chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, writing in prophetic mode, says, There's, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Well, in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost happens, and there is the fulfillment of what Joel talked about many, many years ago. And there's the outpouring where they're filled with the spirit, and we're still living in those times up to this very moment. So number one, the times we're living in are perilous times. I'm sorry, the times we're living in is the outpouring of the Spirit of God, but number two is, as I just said, it's going to be perilous times. Perilous times. When I look this word perilous up, it said dangerous times. It said the last days, it's going to be dangerous times, and it, it went on to say that it's going to be so dangerous that it's going to seem like there's going to be a reducing of the faith or the enemy of our faith is going to try to reduce our faith. But the amazing thing to me to note is no matter where we are, no matter what season we're in, we serve an amazing God. The Lord is constantly looking out for us. You all know me. I love to tell you this, but you need to lay hands on yourself right where you are and say, Lord, thank you for looking out for me. Hallelujah. The Bible says about our God that he neither sleeps nor slumbers. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth. And here's a good one for us today, church. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Hallelujah. Don't you just love him today? Isn't he a worthy God? Come on. 
Will you just right where you are put your hands together and give him a great big hand clap of praise? Hallelujah, because he is worthy of our praise. One, one of the purposes of the kingdom of God is that the citizens of the kingdom would see everything the way the Lord or the king of the kingdom sees it. And herein is where multiple issues arise. I need you to hear me clearly. The purpose of God's kingdom and us believers as citizens of his kingdom is that we would see everything the way he sees it. When we don't see it the way he sees it, we got a problem. And problems will seem to be great in our lives. When we don't see everything the way Jesus sees it. A great example of this is with the Old Testament Hebrews, the Israelites, when they had came out of Egypt on their way to the promised land. God told Moses to send spies into the lands that they were going to eventually conquer and overtake. Moses pulls 12 young men together, and these 12 young men go in and spy out the land that was promised to the Israelites. 12 young men were chosen, but watch this. Two of them kept their eyes set on the promise and not on the enemy. Hear me today. Two of them had their eyes set on the covenant-making and the covenant-keeping king and the God of Israel and not on their enemies. Their names were Joshua and Caleb. Twelve spies went in and spied out the land. They surveyed the land. And yes, they all, twelve, agreed that the land was a rich land and it was flowing with milk and with honey. But when asked about the residents of the land, this is where they had differing opinions. Caleb said, let's go up at once and overtake this land. Joshua said, I agree, Moses, we need to go up at once and overtake this land. But the other 10 said, there's giants in that land and we look like grasshoppers in their sight and we can't conquer this land sometimes I question who told them they looked like grasshoppers be cautious of what voices you are listening to because they the ten what they did was created a toxic culture among the Israelites and of course they had to wait many 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 years before they could even enter into the promised land. So once again, the purpose of God's kingdom is that the citizens of God's kingdom will see everything the way the Lord or the king of the kingdom sees it. My question to you today, my question to us today as a body of believers is, what are you seeing right now? How do you see things right now? When you look out, and there's furloughs and layoffs and sickness and disease. How do you see what you see right now? I'm not talking about being superficial. I'm not talking about being foolish. As believers, we must operate out of wisdom. 
by the leading of the Holy Ghost. But when you got a God's eye view on things, it changes how you see everything. You need to lay hands on your head and say, Lord, give me a God's eye view on how I see everything, how I interpret everything, how I, how I view everything, how I perceive everything. Because God doesn't see everything the way we see it. Well, in our text today, Jesus is in his Jesus flow, and he's teaching, and he's turning religion upside down. I mean, he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, and he's not just teaching because Jesus is more than just words. Jesus is also operating in, demonst in demonstration and with power. It was Christ that said in John 10, 37, if I don't do the works of my father, then don't believe me. And so Christ said, greater works shall you do. The global church, the universal church, and the apostle Paul backs this up in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, when he says, in my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but, but of in demonstration of the spirit and with power. <laughs> Sometimes, high praises, I don't think the church understands how great we are. Sometimes I don't think the church understands through Christ how strong we are. God's church has power. Hallelujah. But sometimes I believe we find ourselves just like Gideon in the Old Testament when the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Hail Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon is like, who is he talking to? He can't be talking to me. But, but, but the angel of the Lord said, I'm talking to you. And the problem is, sometimes if you don't know who you are, you will never know what you can do. And until you receive the anointing from God, knowing who you are and have confidence in who you are, you then will know what you can do. I mean, if life and death is in the power of our tongue and we unite as a body of believers, the Bible says how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. The Bible says when two or three of you touch and agree concerning anything in the earth, it shall be done. The Bible says how can two walk together unless they agree? The Bible says a three-chord strand is not easily broken. Listen, the, the world is going to do what the world does, but I'm here to submit to us that the church and it's past time for us, the church, to do what the church is supposed to do. As a matter of fact, right now they're looking for answers. And guess who has the answer? God does. Guess who has the answer? You and I do through the power of the Holy Ghost. But it's time for us to start fasting and praying and seeking his face. And when we do, God will begin to give the answers that we need. Now, 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 we, we, the church, listen, we should not be surprised about what we see right now. We shouldn't be. Our manual, the Bible, has told us way ahead of time about these times that we're living in. Mm -hmm. It said in these times, it said there's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be famines. 
It's going to be floods and wars. And then it says there's going to be pestilences in our land. That's what the Bible says. So we should not be taken by surprise by what we see right now. It is simply a sign of the time which Jesus said it is the beginning of birth pains, but the end is not yet. But now what I have to do and what you have to do and what we have to do together is stand on faith and stand on the word of the same God that kept us before all this took place and watch this step out on the ledges of our front porches and we got to start speaking into the atmosphere and agree by the power of the Holy Ghost that something is going to take place that watch this this pestilence that is sweeping our world right now is going to break in Jesus' name. Somebody need to give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to step out on the ledges of our porches and we need to start speaking healing and speaking cures and speaking solutions into the atmosphere in Jesus' name. And, and we need to start praying, Lord, come on, come on, y'all. Lord, speak to the chemists, speak to the biologists, speak to the doctors, speak to the scientists, Lord. Give them answers in Jesus' name. And God said, when you agree, I will begin to do it hallelujah so Jesus is in his Jesus floor and there is a crowd of people that surrounding Christ so much so that he has to get in a boat push out a little bit from the shore and he has to teach and preach from the boat and he starts ministering to the people of God. And the Bible says that multitudes are there. We don't know how many. But then at verse 35, Jesus says to his disciples, after he finished, he says, listen to this. Let's stay in the boat and let's cross over to the other side. I almost changed the subject that I'm preaching from today and talking about on the other side of this, I almost changed it to on the other side of this, but, but because on the other side of this, you need to hear me today, there are ministry opportunities on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Because I don't know, but my imagination begins to run a little bit. And I'm thinking to myself, surely the disciples, they had to be excited right now. I mean, they're rolling with Jesus in their first ministry opportunity had thousands and and they're thinking to themselves my goodness if 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 Jesus got us on another assignment this fast it's probably gonna be 15 20,000 people on the other side of the Sea of Galilee but 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 listen to me church right here Jesus wanted to teach his disciples something early in his earthly ministry and in his who he is, his, 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 his Jesus, his Jesushood, if I may say it that way. Jesus wanted to teach them that he is not moved by crowds, that he's, he, he, he will leave the crowds and go after one. Because they cross over the Sea of Galilee. And when they get to the other side, there's one man there that's in the graveyard. And he has 
a demon in him. As a matter of fact, you know the text. He has more than just one demon in him. He has many because his name is Legion. I, I, don't, I don't have time to preach it, but <laughs> I love the scriptures because when Jesus ministers to this man on the other side of the sea, we're going to get back to the text here in a moment, but when Jesus goes and ministers to this man, he says, what is your name? Now, Jesus being Lord knows everything, right? Uh-huh. The man, I mean, if he got many demons, he should have said, what is your names? No, he said, what is your name? I want to suggest to us that, that maybe 1999 were the fruit, but one was the root whose name was Legion. Amen. I just want to submit that to us today to think about for a moment, because sometimes we're dealing with the fruit of the issues, but we don't get to the root of the issues. And so in verse Four, backing up to the Sea of Galilee and the disciples in Christ. At the end of the day, Jesus says to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side. They left the crowds. Verse 36 says, watch this, other little boats were with them. Listen to me. Don't seclude yourself into thinking that you're in this by yourself. We all are going through this. Don't seclude yourself into thinking that, oh my goodness, woe is me, what am I going to do? Listen, we're all in this other little boats were with them. Hallelujah. And the amazing thing about the Sea of Galilee is it's lying nearly 700 feet below sea level. And the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by mountains and highlands. And as a result of this geography, it is predisposed to violent windstorms. Not only were they being tossed about, but waves were now breaking over the boat, and the boat was starting to fill with water. Verse 37. Several of the disciples, listen to this, they were hardened, lifelong fishermen. They had been out on the sea before. So they had experienced sea storms on the Sea of Galilee, but this one was different. The amazing thing is, where is Jesus? <laughs> where was Jesus while the storm was raging and the disciples were panicking? Where was Jesus? Verse 38. He was in the stern of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. I need you to understand something that he hadn't just inadvertently fallen asleep wherever he was sitting. It's easy to do, like, like some of y'all do in church when pastor preaching, you know. You just sitting there and you inadvertently just start dozing off, amen? <laughs> I'm just joking. I hope you don't do that anyway. But, but Jesus just didn't inadvertently fall asleep. No, 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 no. Jesus had planned snoozing. I have ministered all day. I'm tired. I'm going to the hull of this boat and I'm going to sleep. It was intentional. And watch this. The disciples, they didn't like it at all. It was intentional. And the disciples didn't like it at all. They said, teacher, 
Don't you care that we're going to die? Catch this now. Catch this. Watch this. This is so important. They were rocked by the storm outside, and they faced a storm of inner terror, which led them to deal with the theological storm of wrongly assuming that Jesus didn't care. I need to say that one more time. Watch this. They said, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? They were rocked by a storm outside, which led them to face an inner storm of terror, which led them then to deal with a theological storm of wondering, Jesus, do you really care about us? And I want to submit to us today that the last storm was worse than the previous two. Because, watch this, what do you do when your theology is challenged by your circumstances? What do you say when everything you've preached, hope and joy and Jesus and all of these things, what do you do when your world is rocked upside down? What happens to your theology then? Do you still say the same thing? I want to suggest to you today that you keep standing and you keep saying the same thing that you said before, that Jesus is Lord. He was Lord before I went into the storm and he is still Lord right now. Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> Verse 39 and 40, watch this. When Jesus woke, notice, he didn't speak to the disciples first, but he spoke to their surroundings. Mm -hmm. Watch this. He rebuked the wind and told the sea to be still. And the Bible says immediately the creation obeyed its creator. The wind stopped blowing and the sea stopped churning. Now, I wrestle with this a little bit because you don't rebuke winds and sea. You rebuke demons. But if you think for a moment that Satan is not into topography, geographical locations, just scroll through your city and look at certain sides of town and see how some sides of town are poverty stricken. Some sides of town are driven by alcoholism. Some sides of town are, are driven by drugs and prostitutes and all of these different things. That's because Satan is concerned with placing strongholds in places. And so Jesus knows this, so he speaks to the demons that are behind the forces that be. Okay? <laughs> the disciples, they had every reason to trust Jesus. They had seen some of his miraculous deeds by now, and they knew that God was with him. But it's easy to forget what Jesus did yesterday when you're going through a storm today. I want to challenge you, don't forget what he did yesterday. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If he did it yesterday, I'm here to tell you he can do it again. Furthermore, Newsflash, the attention is in the detail. This is powerful. Before the storm arose, Jesus told them, let's cross over 
to the other side. The attention is in the detail. Let's, now we're talking about the make and create of everything. Jesus is Lord. Let's cross over. To, he told them their destination before they even set sail. Hallelujah. He had let them know in advance that they were going to make it to their destination. And our faith fails only when we allow our circumstances to blind us to God's word and what he's already said. Don't you stop reading your Bible. Don't you stop standing on the word of God. I had this little thing, boy, and if I could practice it with you all right now at home, it would, it would, it would help some of us get in shape. But when we used to have children's ministry, back when I was in my home church, you know, we sung that song, Standing on the Promises of God. Y'all know how many times they say standing? You know, standing on the promises of Christ my King through eternal ages. Standing, standing, standing on the promise. Every time we say stand, everybody had to stand up and sit back down. Stand up and sit, boy, that'll help some of us out a whole lot, amen. I'm just joking, amen. But they had to stand on the promise that God had already made them, that they were going to make it to the other side. I want to speak some hope and some peace into your life today. Listen, I don't know where you are, I don't know what you're going through, but you will make it to the other side of this right here. Whatever it may be. In verse 41, watch this. Catch this now. It says, verse 41, and they feared the disciples. They feared exceedingly and said to one another, who, I love this, can this be? Who can this be? Be that even the wind and sea obey him. Did you catch what happens in verse 41? Watch this. In verse 41, the disciples who have been walking with Jesus for a little time here, watch this. There's an escalation. There's a graduation in their minds and in their hearts. Verse 41, because they thought they knew who Jesus was. But when Jesus stood on the ledge of the boat and told the wind to cease and the sea to be still, their minds were blown to another level. And they said, who? Look, Peter, I thought we knew who he was. But do you see this? Bartholomew, I thought, I thought we knew who he was. But do you see this? Thomas, do nope, Thomas, I can't ask you because you doubt anyway. I'm just joking, okay? I'm just joking. All right. So there's an escalation in the text. Their minds are blown. And they said, who can this be? I want to ask you a question right now as I close today. What do you see right now? Do you see things the way God sees it? Or do you see things the way the world sees it? As a body of believers, I'm challenging us. We must stand on the faith that we've been preaching and teaching and say, God, they call it Corona. But God, we know that you are Lord and no name can be higher than your name, Jesus. Your name is the highest name. 
So Corona can't be above your name, Jesus. So we're going to stand on your name, Jesus, and we're going to trust. So what do you see right now? How do you see things right now? We say pandemic, but God doesn't. God doesn't see a pandemic. That's not what he calls it. Uh huh. We say I'm facing hard times right now, but listen to me, church. God doesn't. The God we serve, he doesn't see it the way we see it. Why? Because I want to close this message by suggesting to you that Jesus is at the center of it all and Jesus is at the eye of your storm. Jesus is the eye of the storm. And if the eye of the storm is a place of peace and calm, I want you to know that things all around you may be tumultuous, but right there where Jesus is. I don't know about you, but I'm going to stay right close to Jesus. And I'm going to keep on holding on to Jesus. And I'm going to keep on holding on to the promise that he's given us in his word that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. And my God can fix everything. Hallelujah. Put your hands together and give him a great big hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As a matter of fact, in the book of Joel, a chapter later from the prophetic word that Joel speaks about, in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit. In chapter 3, verse 10, he says this. Watch this. He says, let the weak say, I am strong. And the songwriter added to it, let the poor say, I am rich. It takes faith, church. It takes faith in what we call a pandemic to stand and say, God, I see normal. I see things the way you see it, God. But I want to challenge you, stand and trust him. And stand and trust him. And I know every day the news is giving us further reports. But stand and trust him. And stand and trust him. Don't be foolish. Don't do foolish things. Stand on his word. Practice your social, social distancing. Practice, practice all of that. But stand on his word. The eye of the storm. Jesus is the eye of the storm where there's a peace where there's a calm hallelujah I don't know about you but I'm going to stand right here right where my Jesus is and I'm going to trust him let me pray with you today Father in Jesus name I know personal friends who have lost loved ones to this pandemic, to this disease, to this pestilence. I know two in particular, two families. But I also know of a, a great cousin who had COVID-19, but he got healed. And while I mourn for those who are mourning, as my brothers and my sisters, I celebrate the fact that you are a healer, God. And even in the midst of bereaving families, I pray you heal them, Jesus. I pray you let them know that you are Lord and you don't fail us, God. 
We give you praise today, God. We give you honor and we give you glory. You are the eye of the storm. And the purpose of your kingdom is that the citizens of the kingdom would see everything the way the Lord and the king of the kingdom sees it. Let us see it your way, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.